All right, beloved, we're going to go ahead and get started. We've got a lot to cover today. Uh, want to, uh, I want to give you, just to start us, uh, to get us, uh, to make us laugh a little bit, show you how not to do biblical counseling. This is how not to do biblical counseling. Yeah, play. Uh, yes, come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. This is how not to do biblical counseling. Yes, yes, that's me. Should I lay down? Oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have tea. And, uh, and let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. How does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now um, we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. Wow. Okay. And uh, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> go. <laughs> go. Well, tell what? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever ever tried to to bury you alive in a box? No, no. But truly, thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house. Anything boxy. So what what you're saying is you're uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm. Uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you... you you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it! I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, no, childhood. No, no, no. We, no, we, we, we don't go there. Just, just stop. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good go. Well, it's only been... It's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. Well, I, I only have a five, so. Well, I, I don't, I don't make change. Then I, I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it. <laughs> Not of some kind? Don't, don't do that. But I, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me fatty. No, no, no. No, no we, we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. Just, <laughs> just stop it. What, what, what else? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> 
You, you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. <laughs> don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh -huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! How, how are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you, you kook! Stop it! You stop it! You stop it! What's, what's the problem, Kathy? I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And, and, you, and you, don't, you don't like that? No, I don't. So you think we're, we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me, uh, let me uh, give you ten words that I, I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want to you get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. All right, here are the ten words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box! Not the way to do it. Don't do it that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was talking to, to Brenda last night, and after, after we met, I need, uh, yeah, after we met, I was questioning, you know, some of the things I said, and just thinking back through it. I, I do this all the time. I hope that y'all evaluate yourself too. I evaluated myself and thought, well, I probably shouldn't have said that, and probably shouldn't have said that. And I was telling her, and she looked over at me and said, stop it. <laughs> like, uh. So I'm thankful you made it back out this morning. I'm looking forward to today because I think it'll be a good um, practical way to deal with people and talk with people and hopefully help people, give them hope. Let's go ahead and open up with prayer. Father, thank you for our time together. We're thankful for you and that you chose us before the foundation of the world, that you, you care for us, you love us, and you sent your son into the world uh, to be our savior, to do what we couldn't do, to be perfect, to be righteous, to be holy all of his life until he died on a cross to pay for our sin. Lord, we are eternally thankful for your grace and your kindness towards us. And we thank you that Jesus didn't stay dead, but he rose from the dead and he's ruling and reigning, sitting at the right hand of you, Father. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will comfort us and encourage us and counsel us today as we look at your word and as we apply your word and we talk about how we can help people um, lord help us we love you we thank you for this time we thank you for the privilege it is to make disciples and we do long for that day when we will be in heaven with you and we will get to enjoy you forever we pray all this in the matchless name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. All right. Last night we left off with um, sanctification and how that is basically part of the discipleship process. We understand that somebody has to be justified by uh, faith in Christ at the beginning, and then the process of sanctification starts in that is the process by which God transforms us and makes us look like his son. All that's required with that is God, a new heart, the Bible, the church, not just one counselor, but preachers, teachers, all the things that are involved, time, and then working out our salvation in fear and trembling. It's very important to understand, and this is something we'll talk about as we go along today, um, 
the counselee, the person that want uh, that is um, getting counsel, must want help. They must want to change. This is one of the hardest things uh, for a pastor. Is often I'm dealing with, um, you know, situations, and we're dealing with situations that sometimes are people are starting to drift away, and at those points they don't necessarily want to change. So when you bring the truth to bear on them, that often does what? What do you think? Pushing them away more. So they actually run the other direction. Um, for you guys, I'm, I'm hoping that as you do your discipleship, that you're discipling people that want to change. They might not know how to change and what's the real problem. But as long as they have a desire, a teachable desire, to work at it, and you, it's going to be successful because God loves to bless those that seek him and give them hope. When a person stops wanting it, that's when you're in a lot of trouble, okay? Um, there are ways to motivate, and we'll talk about those as we go along. So let's start today with how to counsel, how to counsel one another. This is hopefully going to be very practical, and I want you to ask any questions you want. Um, I, uh, uh, I'm willing to stop and, 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 and answer anything you want. Okay? We've laid the foundation. Now it's how do we do it. First, there has to be involvement. There has to be an established relationship. Now, when we think on this, unlike... Bob Newhart there, when the person comes in, he barely knows the lady, and boom, he tells her to stop it. That's unfortunately some of that, that negative example is how we often think, too. We think that we can speak into a person's life when we don't have any relationship with them, without any involvement with them. That doesn't, look, it can work, but it's not the normal way of making disciples. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes uh, consistency. It takes love. It takes listening. It takes all of these things. So I want to kind of go through some of these and, and uh, help you with this. Beloved, I, I, I know that we're all very, very busy people, right? We have a million things going on in our lives. But in order for us to really make disciples, it involves commitment. It involves involvement. <laughs> it, it, it means that we have to take time with people, get to know them. I was uh, talking to a few of you beforehand. It, it takes transparency. Transparency. Now, what I mean by that is, is it takes being vulnerable with people. It takes saying and admitting areas in your own life where you're not perfect. Because look, people aren't going to trust you if you present yourself as this perfect guy up here that's got everything fixed and everything right. What is the Christian walk? Well, here's the Christian walk in a nutshell. Repentance and faith every day. That's what it is. It's constantly turning to God saying, God, here I am again. I need you. I'm a dependent man that blows it, right? At the same time, it takes that, when you're talking to people, if you're talking to a person and you, and you present yourself as, I've arrived, and I've got everything figured out, and you're not transparent enough to admit your own mistakes and your own errors, they're not going to listen to you. They're going to think, well, I could never be that person. I can't be that person. They don't really know what's going on in my heart. And I don't definitely don't want to expose that, do I? Because if I expose that, they'll probably judge me because they're way up here. Does everybody understand what I mean by that? But being involved in a person's life means being open and honest and letting a person see your mistakes. Yesterday, you know, even last night, I, I mentioned to you one of my mistakes. And, and how I dealt with it. Afterwards, I questioned, should I have said that? Here I am, I'm talking to y'all, a, a group. Wonder what these people were thinking. Do you understand? What did I have to do? I had to counsel my soul. 
It really doesn't matter what you guys ultimately think. It's what God thinks. And we have to be transparent with the counselor. I am completely convinced that one of the biggest problems with discipleship is that people are, 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 are not honest with other people. We're not honest. We paint this facade of who we are instead of being transparent. Okay? So I, that would be my biggest one. We all need to get past this of thinking that we're, we've got it all figured out. Where did you blow it? Okay? All right. Questions on that? Yes, sir. Sure. Uh, yes, keep trying. Um, again, there is a, there is a, this is not an easy question, not an easy answer for you, Mike. Uh, ultimately, the Bible says to put yourself to the work of, you know, throw yourself into faithful men. And women are implied. What's the point? That you go into people that want it, okay? At the same time, evangelism and discipleship involves sometimes hunting and, and, and seeking out those that are hurting that wouldn't be transparent enough. So I don't think there's a perfect answer to that, brother. I think you need to pray and seek the Lord. And if God's got somebody in your life that keeps running from you, maybe you should go ahead and keep doing it. Keep pursuing them. So, these are not easy questions, though. All right. Other questions on transparency? No? Okay. You understand there is probably uh, a limit to the transparency. What's the limit? What do I mean by a limit? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, you can drag them down into your problems. And, and ultimately, look, if you're discipling somebody, you should be thinking mainly about who? Them. Now, when I'm being transparent, I'm hopefully still got that in my mind. I'm trying to help them by being honest. I'm not trying to hurt them. So there is a limit. If, if every counseling session and every time you get together with discipleship, you're the main talker, and you're always talking about your problems, then who's counseling who? Most likely that other person's counseling you, or you're not helping them at all. So yeah, there is limits to that. All right, let's walk through some. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, we often fall, fail to realize that God uses our, our lives to change people also. Uh, how we look and how we live and what we say and what we do around people uh, often is counsel also. In other words, some of the best counseling you can do is to love somebody even when they're not loving you and to treat them well. It does make an impact. Somebody read First Peter 2.12 to us. Okay, so here we go. We have counsel. That's counsel. What's the counsel? Living in a way around other people that it actually brings conviction on them that they then what? Glorify God in the day that he comes to them. Does this make sense? Then also over in 1 Peter 3, we all know this first. Many of us have done it, but 1 Peter 3, 1. Somebody read that one again for us. 3... Go ahead. Wow, this is a profound statement, isn't it? Okay, so you have a counselee, you have somebody that you're trying to work with, it could be a spouse. 
that's struggling with a sin. They're disobedient to the word. This could most likely be an unbelieving spouse. Well, it can be evangelistic. How you live with that spouse can be evangelistic. Your behavior can make that kind of influence. Well, if, if it works, God uses that behavior to convert an unbelieving spouse. How much more for a believing spouse? How many of you that are married can testify to this? That your wife or your husband did something and, and did an act of kindness and you looked at it and you were convicted immediately. Oh, I should be more like that. Right? God uses our lives to, come to be some of the greatest counsel. That is involvement in a person's life. But if... If we're always standing off from people, protecting ourselves and not getting involved in people's lives, then there's no change and no opportunity for them to see you. Also, what was the, does anybody, can anybody remember what's the most important role of the husband? The husband should be the greatest, who can tell me, the greatest what? Yes. Right there, Mike, way to go. The greatest repenter in the house. There's, you want to lead men? You should be the greatest repenter in the house. The one that owns sin. The one that shows when they blow it, they are quick to own it. You want to lead? That's how we should lead. Okay? And at the same time, ladies, that doesn't let you off the hook. You should be doing that too, right? No matter what, we should all strive to be the one that's running to Christ the fastest. Look over at 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. Somebody read 9.19. What's the point? If you're a servant to people, you have the potential of what? Winning people. And it's a servant to everybody. That's the whole point. And I think that fits to anybody you're counseling. You should obviously be a servant to them to a degree. Here's what I hear often. I made an appointment for somebody to come meet me, and they stood me up. Should I meet with them again? How many times have you stood up God? Right? Now, does that mean that if you, you cancel another appointment because that one person came back to you? No. But ultimately, we have to be much more servant-oriented. I'll tell you what. People see it. When you're patient with them and gracious to them, and as time goes along and you keep putting up with so much stuff, they say, man, this person has been so gracious. I need to just be real with them and tell them my problems. And they'll open up and be honest with you. It makes sense, right? This is how you counsel. I think a lot of people think in their head, oh, I've got to have all these words set up. Well, just start serving people and loving people, and God's going to take care of that. You got all you need for life and godliness, and you have plenty of knowledge in your head about the scriptures. Everybody in this room, I'm not doubting whether or not you can do this. I think the issue is, is just step up, and as we spend more time with people, and we're loving people and serving people, God's going to give opportunity, right? All right. First Thessalonians 2.7. Somebody read that for us, 2.7 and 8. see this how many of you I mean how many of you experienced watching a mother with a newborn child what's it like 
it's like, wow, they are all in, right? And one of the things that happens in our churches is like, I, I even saw it last night. One, one of the young ladies that was here had their baby, and, and I said, well, you know, we have child care. And what did she say? And it makes sense, and I'm not judging her. It's a good thing. She said, but there's kind of toddlers in there, and I'm afraid that, you know, there might be a bunk on the head or something. My, my little one is small. So what was the point? She was tenderly caring for her little one. She cared. I think one of our problems is, is that we don't care for people like that. We don't look like the Apostle Paul. But if we look like the Apostle Paul and we actually care for people and they actually knew that we love them, they're going to be open and they're going to be honest. and They're going to say, look, here's my problem. I need some help. And they won't cover. Does this make sense, beloved? I think this is real counseling. Tenderly caring for me. I'm convicted by these words. Are you? That I need to have this kind of affection for people. How many of you said things like this in your head? And you, don't, you would never express it. But I don't really love people. I don't really want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. I want to deal with that. I just need to stop it. We sound just like Bob Newhart, don't we? What should we do? Yeah. Absolutely. See, you're just counseling your soul there. You're counseling us. He just counseled us. Did you hear it? He brought up a theology, brought up theology, and said we were forgetting how compassionate and gracious and kind God is with us. You just counseled us. Ultimately, what do we need to do if we don't have an affection for people? Repent. Yes. Repent. We need to own that and say, hey, here I am, God. I should love like you love, and I'm not. I'm not near as patient with other people that, as you are with me. Yeah. So how much repenting do we need to do? A lot. A lot. All too often we're way too short with people. Jim Pyle quote where it said this, he said, As biblical counselors, we need to be involved and be people-oriented to show people that we care about them. People-oriented. Others-oriented. Others-focused. You want to be a good counselor? That's how you do it. You have to be others-focused. By the way, that's how you counsel your own heart, too. You hear me? A successful counselor is somebody that's constantly saying, I need to stop thinking about me so much. Does that make sense? Who's the main topic in your thought process of the day? If we're thinking about ourselves all the time, we've got a problem. We need to be thinking of how we can help other people. All right? Questions? Comments? Any transparency going on now? Look, I get those points too, beloved. I'll lay down after, you know, this week I probably slept very, 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 very little. Y'all know because I was posting things on the group me app at 3.34 in the morning. And so I lay down on the bed and about 9 o'clock and I just want to die. And about that time, Two little boys walk into the room. Now, are you going to read the Bible to us tonight? Uh, uh, I can't move. <laughs> uh, can you just do Bible is tonight? Just play it. The reality is this. It, it, it's painful to love people. It means sacrifice, and it means... Saying no to your own comforts. A lot. But when people see that, then they want to listen. Okay?
involvement, yes. Being a good steward of your body and your health. Okay, I'm gonna get, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you the just the first reaction, and then I understand that there is balance. Okay, what I mean is is not going too far. I I get that, but but ultimately, don't we see this in the Apostle Paul that he poured himself out for people? I understand. Look. Me and my wife have talked about this numerous times. You know, Sunday afternoons, 40 people come over to your house and she's cooking. And there are times I look over and say, oh, done. We're taking a week off. And I'm just watching. But as a, as a, as a desire in our house, that's our desire is to pour ourselves out to the place that we are exhausted. I know that sounds crazy, but... We only have so much time here on earth. And I'm trying to rescue people from hell. And I think, my, I think this role of loving people really means loving them to the point of exhaustion. Am I off base on this? Amen. Versus working ourselves to a point of exhaustion by doing doing it with our agenda and pushing mm. ourselves and then mm. feeling the burnout. That is a great point, Alice. It's an excellent point. And, and it's this. If you're doing this with your wrong agenda and you're all about yourself, then you will find yourself, quote unquote, burnout. But burnout's a psychological concept too. And it's because we've been what? We're doing it in ourself. We're doing it in our own strength. But as I am spending time with the Lord, He gives extra motivations to go out and do those things that would seem like it's crazy. Look, I'm convinced that He woke me up this, this week. I, I believe that at 1 o'clock on Thursday, I needed those two hours of study. 1 o'clock in the morning to get that two hours of study, to get ready for this. I didn't have it in the other place, but he did it, and I wasn't complaining. I wasn't, oh, this is horrible. I'm awake. Can't believe I got to do this. It was like, wow, God, you're opening up some great truths here. Great, just thank you. So it wasn't a burden. It was a blessing. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. That's good, Darren. Yeah, same thing. And as we'll see in a little bit, Mary and Martha, the, the example of Mary and Martha, is a, it, it does apply. The fact of the matter is, is that Martha appeared to be doing it in her own strength and all about her. Do you understand? Whereas Mary had chose the right thing to do. So if we're doing it in the Lord, yes, you need to serve. But do it in the Lord, and He gives a peace and a and a grace. Yes, Stephen. Absolutely. Our spouse, yeah. Yeah, and there there is a. The, I would love to tell you that it, it, we've figured this out, but there isn't. Um, there is a constant tug of war that goes on in every single person's life for time. Everybody struggles with this. If you don't, then you're not on this planet. But there's positives and, and, and struggles, but the goal for our family is to learn how to do that too. 
to teach my family how to sacrifice and love. At the same time, I, there are times that I'll fight you for a Monday because I'm, I know that my focus needs to be only on them. So, yeah. Wireless mic. Huh? Oh, yeah, we need that. Can you get me a wireless mic? Thank you. Yeah, can you turn that on and have it ready and put it down this front step? I'll try to repeat the questions, too, to help out. The reason why is because people are are asked about this on live stream. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Paul addresses this in Philippians chapter uh -huh. 2, verses 3 and 4. He says, yeah. Yeah, Philippians 2, absolutely, 3 and 4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, Christ is the example. Thank you, Mark. That's really good, yeah. Um, all right, let's keep going, okay, beloved? So, what do we need to do for involvement? Here's another one, be available. Be available. We talked about this a little bit already, but look over at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Be available. In Acts chapter 20, Paul speaking to the elders. Remember the tears that flowed when he left and talked to them and gave them the farewell. And he said, therefore, be on the alert. Remember that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. <laughs> wow, that's available, right? Now, I know that when you, I, I, if you're anything like me, when you read Paul, you say, well, I can't be Paul, right? Well, I, I do think we need to be careful <laughs> because... God did give us the same Holy Spirit, and we can pour our lives out for people, and we should be pouring our lives out for people, okay? Uh, now, granted, he was single, and this would be a pitch to the singles. Hear me? In some ways, you have more opportunity to go and serve and do these kind of things, so you need to take that seriously, that you have a huge responsibility being a single person, that you have some time that some of the married people and the married people with children don't have. So, uh, but be available, okay? All right, let's do another one. Be approachable. Be approachable. Turn over to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, be approachable. I love this picture. And I think Jesus was using this more than anything else for the disciples. He was teaching them a lesson. A lot of people make it about the babies, and I think there is an element of that, but... The main point is this, look, verse 15, and they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them, but when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them, but Jesus called for them, saying, permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Well, he's making the point that uh, God offers even the most innocent an opportunity into the kingdom, but ultimately he's saying what? Nobody's excluded. Be available to anybody. Even the ones that, you know, children were at this time not looked at highly. It's like third world countries. We know this. You, Kenny, you'd probably testify to this in Honduras, that babies and kids, the they're not really sure the kids are going to live. So they they're kind of the the second-class citizens, children are, because they don't know, so they don't get real attached to their children. Uh, I, I think Mark Patterson was once telling me about a story of a, a family that just laid their child down in the back after it had died and just left it outside the gate. And he was just somewhat shocked by how they did not take to it, but it was because, uh, you know, they had grieved real quick and moved on it's because they did not have this real attachment to the children. They're afraid of them. But the point is, is that it was the same way here. And he's have babies coming to him, and he he's saying, "Let them come." He's very approachable, no matter who it is, no matter how much they 
have or don't have, whoever they are, he allows them to come. We need to be that way. I think often we pick and choose the ones that we want to counsel, don't we? We pick and choose the ones that are what? Like us and affirming of us. They appreciate us. Give me a counselee that says, you really are really good at this. But don't give me the counselee that gives me a hard time. Or the one that you speak to and speak to and speak to and it seems like you're talking to a brick wall. I don't want that one. But we need to be approachable. Be willing to accept anybody that comes. And love them. Show compassion. Show compassion. Somebody read Matthew 9, 35, and 36. Show compassion. 9, 35, and 36. And healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Mm. Isn't this beautiful? What does this say about our Savior? What does it say about our Savior? Amen. He was compassionate. He saw them. He saw them in their distress. How do we build compassion? How do we build compassion? Okay? When we understand how compassionate he is to us, how do we build how how does that grow in our hearts? How do we grow in our compassion for people? Come on, guys. Through our own suffering. That's one. That's one. Yeah. The more we suffer, the more we feel it the more we then understand that other people feel pain, too. Yeah. Any others? Yeah. Yeah. You suffer with them. Put yourself in their life. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing our needs, like back to the Philippians, too. Seeing their needs is more important than our own. Confession time again. Do you ever find yourself doing this? Somebody comes to you with a complaint with what they're struggling with and immediately in your head you start thinking this. Okay, here's the honesty. Wow, if you were me and you had gone through what I went through, my issues are a lot worse than your issues. Okay, anybody in honest going to say, yeah, that's me. In other words, you start what? Judging them. Because they bring their complaint. You know, it's the person that says, man, my tires just went out on my brand new 2016 van. And you go in your head, well, my 2009, those tires are on, they're bald. Well, what's the problem? I'm not showing any compassion to the person that I'm talking to. I'm thinking only about myself then. What needs to happen? Repentance. A lack of compassion ultimately is what? Sin. It's sin. It needs to be repented of too. We need to put ourselves in other people's shoes. We need to be willing to listen to them, grieve with them, hurt with them. There's nothing that is so... Uh, I'm, I'm losing the word, but that hits you as hard as your tire scenario, and then you find out maybe their tires were slashed. Mm. But we jumped to something way before. And that Absolutely. Yeah. We often jump to things. I know we all do it when we drive down the street and we see the homeless people, don't we? We all do. If we're really honest, there's times where we look at those people and say, well, yeah, they need to get a job. Right? We're immediately jumping into their life, no, interpreting what's going on in their life before we even know what's going on. I do it. I'm, I'm being honest. I'm, I'm guilty of that. And there might be an element that they do need to get a job. But we've stopped to show any compassion to the person. We're thinking only of what? 
right? There might be an element of truth to it, but how can we really help them? All right, so what does Jesus do? He shows compassion. In Luke 10, you don't have to go there, but a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. Again, this compassion of the Good Samaritan, right? Compassion. Also, we need to be patient. Again, back to my favorite verse, back to 2 Timothy 2.24. Or 2.24. Where am I? Where am I? Too far. Yes. Oh, it doesn't have this one. All right. 2 Timothy 2.24. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. Let me, let me give you just a heads up with involvement here. This is so important. You're sitting down, you're counseling somebody. Here's what's going to happen. You ready? If you touch a nerve, I used a, a phrase there, you hit a spot where you're actually addressing a real issue in a person's heart, okay? Guess what's going to happen? They're going to attack you. Do you understand? There's a very good possibility that the initial reaction is going to be, <laughs> hopefully not with a fist, but definitely with your words. They're going, to, they're going to go after you, okay? So what do you need to have? Patience. You have to have patience. Because remember, the enemy does not want you to keep going. He does not want you to really give them hope. He doesn't want it. And so what he's going to do is use their smoke screen to try. That's one of the ways they smoke screen. They throw this up and they just wham, whack you in the face. And why do they do that? So that you will back off and you won't address those issues. But if you don't address those issues, what's going to happen? They're not going to get any better. You want to give them hope. Now, this brings up something I want you to, that's a side note. Now, this is so important for counseling. This is why you can't be driven by a fear of man and approval of man. You can't be. It can't be your main thing. If you are, when you go to address people, you're going to say something or do something. You're either going to make a mistake or you're going to say something right, and it's going to offend them at times. You can't be so driven that they ha you've got to have their approval all the time. Because if you're always wanting your, your counselee's approval, you're never going to approach anything. You're never going to deal with anything. Do you understand what I'm getting at? If you don't offend somebody, occasionally you're probably not counseling. Did you hear me? It is really, really easy to have people like you all the time. Really easy, I promise. The counseling room is not the place for that. It's not to always have them go, yeah, wow, that's great. And if you never offend anybody, then you might not ever be bringing the truth to bear. Now then when they, when they bucket you, you have to be patient with it though. You can't return revile for revile. You can't get angry. Questions on that? Okay. Let's go on. Be patient. Have confidence in the grace of God at work. Philippians 1, 6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. I've had people come in, be totally destroyed, totally wiped out, that their life is a mess. And I look at them and I say, I, got, I have hope. I have hope for God in your life. And I can say that with confidence. Why? Because the scriptures say it. And often that's what they need, beloved. Do you understand? If your woe is me, if their woe is me, and you then just fall right into their trap and say, Yeah, it's bad. I don't know what we're going to do. This is impossible. Maybe I'll call Pastor Mike. Or maybe you should go see him. I'll just hand it over to Alice. She can handle that one. No, it doesn't work that way. 
You have to have confidence that God can work in every single person you're talking to and will work in every single person. Does everybody understand this? Okay. Be confidential. Be confidential, which, which means what? Absolutely. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. Very, very important. Be honest, but kind. Again, be honest, but kind. Now, I will tell you that everybody in the room probably leans one way or the other in that statement. What is the be honest, but kind? It's You lead one way or the other. What's... Too honest or too kind, right? And I think the answer to how that you walk that tightrope is abide in Christ. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That one takes a lot of prayer beforehand. You know you're going to go in and you know you need to, you need to say what God's Word says. And I just, I just go to prayer for a lot of prayer. Amen. Amen, sister. She said uh, uh, it leads her to prayer and that uh, the, the weight of it causes you to seek God in that circumstance. I think our biggest issue for, for me and, and for my struggle is, is that I am always getting bombarded. So sometimes I don't, I do have time to pray, but I don't have time to really think on these things. And it's like you're getting shot with all these questions at all times and you're like uh oh be ready be ready be oh, here comes another one don't respond with anger don't be rude be kind you're thinking all this lord help me please 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 but often the words come out before you even go to the lord and so you struggle and that's why i'm i'm known i know most of you in the room would say man mike can be really direct but at the same time, they, you'll say, but he is, can be compassionate at times. But the, the reason why is because sometimes I blow it and sometimes I do it right and sometimes I'm depending on him and sometimes I'm kind of just trying to give the quick answer. That's us, isn't it? This takes God. This does take God. Now, as hard as this job is to counsel people and disciple people, as hard as it is, should we run and hide in a closet because we can't do this? No, opportunity. Still take the opportunity to share and love people and get involved in their life, all right? Ultimately, it comes down to pursuing Christ. Pursuing Christ, back to the abiding Christ, which is really where I wanted to, to end this first section. More than that, Paul's talking in, in Philippians 3.8, he says, more than that, I count all things to be lost and view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and I may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to his death. Man, what a passage, right? Okay, now, look, listen to me. Listen to me. You want to be involved in people, then be all about Christ. The more you know Christ, the more you're enjoying Christ, the more you're pursuing Him, the closer you get to Him, the more God is going to put you in people's lives. And you're going to be all about others. That's the key. As we understand and we enjoy Christ, He is our first joy, our first thought, our first love. Then, no matter what a person says to us, we're always to help them. We'll show compassion. We'll be kind. Even when they're wrong, we'll be patient. We'll be long-suffering. We'll pursue them as far as we can. Why? Because He pursued us. Came all the way to earth to pursue us. 
as we know Christ, then we are involved in people's lives. If we're not with Christ and we're not abiding with Christ, then we're not. We're going to try to isolate. We're going to get away from people. But the closer we get to Christ, the more we want to serve people and know people. Does everybody get what I'm saying? So ultimately, it comes down to your relationship with the Lord. If you're abiding in Christ, then you're going to love like no one has ever loved. You'll look so much different than the world, and you will be in their lives. Okay? Finally, or two more, and then, then we'll take a break. And we'll be good listeners, right? We'll be good listeners. I want you to think about this for a second. Just think about Jesus for three years. He knew everything. It's an all-knowing God, right? How many times did he listen to other people talk on and on and on when he could have just said, stop it, be quiet, I'm God, listen to what I say, be quiet. He let, sometimes Peter and several people would just put their foot in their mouth and say crazy things, and he would just allow them to go on and on, showing amazing compassion, listening to people he knew. No, I knew your motives. Your motives are horrible. You're, you, let me sit down and let me give you a lesson on why you're really going to betray me. And explain your heart, how wicked it is. Beloved, he listened. We need to listen. He was compassionate. We need to be compassionate. Are we good listeners? Are you a good listener? What keeps you from being a good listener? You tell me. <laughs> yes, it does. The tongue. Let's tame the tongue. Yes. What else? Selfishness. Yes. Yes. Not being a good listener is ultimately the heart of it is being selfish. Yeah. Pride. Yeah. Thinking much of what we say. Much of what we say. Uh, I'll, I'll probably mention this later, but uh, it, it, it's so true. Biblical counseling is sometimes has it has the extremes. One is is that somebody thinks that it's all about what I say. Okay? That I say too much. In other words, it's about me teaching and fixing and saying all the truth. The other side is, is that they don't say anything. Say very little. They say, well, let's just let them talk. Okay? What's the problem? It's in the middle. <laughs> it's in the middle. But it starts with being a good listener. And as we'll see in, a, in the next section... In order to really help a person, you need to know what the problem really is. And that requires being a very good listener. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. This stuff is so good. And we're going to talk about this some more. This is the same exact stuff that we're going to talk about in the next section of how to make observation. How to figure out what's the problem. Okay? Oh, all too often we jump way too quick. Or we hear one or two key phrases and we make an assumption and we jump without listening. Not spending enough time to evaluate. Okay? You're going to hear this over and over, but it's very important that you get. The human heart wants to produce a way out, an excuse, a smokescreen. They give it. We all do. We give an excuse for why we do what we do. Those excuses could be anything. Okay? Any little thing. It could be. Uh, my wife nags too much. Okay? You got a husband that has an anger issue. My wife nags too much. There it is. Threw a smoke screen out. She nags. If she would stop nagging, 
I would be okay. I wouldn't get angry. That is called a smoke screen. That's a smoke screen. If you're not a good listener, you hear that, and you say, oh, I got it, I got it. I'm going to, as soon as this is done, I'm going to give that lady a call and tell her we need to meet. So I can tell her to stop nagging her husband, and then he'll be all set. Then what you just did is you bought into the smoke screen. Does that make sense? You must be a good listener and get to the heart of the issue. Everybody wants to blame everyone else for their sin and their own problems. When the real problem is who? Us, them, right? All right. We'll stop here.